and blessings from our Lord Jesus Christ. You are listening to the Claycomo Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today is Sunday, July 31st, 2022, and Pastor Scott Gordon starts a new section of his Healthy Habits with a multi-week series on stewardship. And now we send it over to Pastor Scott. What a good place for us to start as we look at a new habit in our continuing study of healthy habits for building our spiritual strength. And it is the habit of stewardship. And I know as I walk into that discussion of stewardship, it becomes the (gasps) moment. Usually for every pastor that I know that goes, oh no, we're going to talk about stewardship. But we have a God who provides. We have a great and mighty God, and we will talk about all of the aspects that center around this biblically uh, set forth pattern in our lives and the purpose of God in saying that this is an aspect of understanding who we are in relation to quite literally everything. Now, as we've done here, when we think about stewardship, the discussion of that can often be I don't know, challenging. Because as I even looked in, in my personal library and then looked uh, online for like uh, Christian book distributors and, and other things, there is a small section when you start talking about stewardship. And then the theme or the motivation for the discussion, in other words, what is the reason for talking about stewardship? becomes problematic because what I saw was how to gain wealth, how to get. I mean, this was the basic theme for too much of what is being written or has been written on the topic of stewardship. And so we want to turn to a biblical understanding, and we want to talk about a biblical reason. Every habit that we have talked about for us that the Bible is given, what God has said should be a part of our lives from prayer to Bible intake to evangelism to worship, and I'm going to leave out the rest. I didn't write the full list down for myself. We've come down to the purpose of studying these habits, scripturally being two major reasons. We find in Hebrews 12, 14, to pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Holiness. Studying stewardship for the purpose of holiness. Have you ever thought about it before like that? Talking about stewardship and holiness just doesn't seem to go to, oh, but there's more. 1 Timothy 4, 7 is the other verse that we have looked at. It says, but having nothing to do with pointless and silly myths, rather train yourself in godliness. Godliness. All of the habits, when we talked about it, it seemed to to make sense. We go, hey, we've heard things like this. The, The reason that we want to have these habits of prayer in our life and other things is to strengthen us in holiness and godliness. And then their stewardship. But I'm here to tell you, I believe very strongly that the habit of stewardship fits in the same realm as all of these others. The motivation for our faithfulness in stewardship ought to be for growth in holiness and godliness. 
and no other reason. Not to get, not, not to get out of debt, not to do this, not to do that. Are those aspects part of what God can use our focus on an aspect of stewardship to change and transform our lives? The answer is yes. But if we come to stewardship solely for the purpose of God giving me more, taking care of my finances, then we are missing the boat. We are missing the boat. And so when we focus on stewardship, as we begin, I want to ask or really just kind of bring up two categories for our thinking. Who established stewardship? And to what extent are we to think about stewardship as an aspect of our lives as believers, as Christians, as Christ followers? So as we jump in, We'll look, first of all, at that establishment of stewardship. I believe that the Bible shows us at least two clear instances in which stewardship and ownership, and those are different things. Those are different things. We'll get to the sum up of that in, in, by the time we finish. I'll say in a minute. It'll be in a few minutes. <laughs> Not several. Hopefully just few, right? <clears throat> minutes clearly shows us stewardship and ownership delineated for our lives. And the first area is at creation. So open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. That ought to be easy to find. It's the first book. It's the first chapter in the entirety of the Bible. So open the front cover of your Bible. Keep turning right till you find Genesis 1. With a thought somewhere down the road that we're going to get to 1 Corinthians. But kind of just hold that back there in the back of your mind. We'll also traverse across a number of other scriptures along the way. I'm indebted to a number of people that I studied in looking at this. Because like I said, it was not easy to not have just a few little points outlined. Or a few categories and miss what I hope to show us and, and that I've had the blessing of seeing in this study is the vast impact of the concept, if you will, of the habit of stewardship for our lives. And one of those is, is Dr. Tony Evans. And he's the one who kind of brought me to uh, this point in, in listening to a, a series that he has and I've grown to, if, even if I don't agree with everything that, that Tony Evans says, and there's very little, there's, there's a few things here, I'm going, I'm not sure, but anyway, we're pretty much that way with any teacher. If we all 100% agreed, then maybe one or the other of us isn't thinking, you know, just trying to reason for ourselves in, in many ways. But I've really gotten to appreciate one major aspect of, of Tony Evans' ministry, and it is this, it's kingdom. If you follow him in any way, shape, or form, looking at his social media, looking at areas where he's spoken, he has kingdom focus to everything. I liked it a couple years ago when we were in Nashville and he spoke at the pastor's conference and he started talking about a kingdom being a kingdom independent when it comes to politics. And I'm like, you're the man. You, you finally helped me identify who I am when it comes to my political thinking. But he has a newer series out called Kingdom Stewardship. 
And so if you're going, hey, I'd like to hear something else besides you, Scott, I hope you're not offended. I'm not. I would encourage you to find good Bible teachers everywhere. I'm not the only one who can do it, and God's called a lot of people to bless his church and churches. Now, there are some others out there that if you ask me, I will say, ho, ho, run away from. Tony Evans is not one of those. And he talked about this beginning aspect of where does stewardship come from? And it comes from this very beginning in, in Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to pick up in verse 26. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. God blessed them and said, God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And so... We find here, especially in that very first verse, verse 26, when God said, let us make men in our image according to our likeness, they will rule the fish of the sea, etc., etc., etc. The rule that we have been given is designated, is it not? The very responsibility we have, and that is the better way to look at it, in relationship to humanity over the earth on which we live is not one of outright autonomous authority that we derive from ourselves. It is a responsibility designated to us by God. We would call that a stewardship. We would call that a stewardship. And so it definitely impacts how all of creation is to be seen in respect to every living person, Christian, non-Christian alike. God said it from the beginning. Here is your responsibility to rule over, to have the dominion, to administrate, to take care of creation. There's a lot to be said as we start talking about what does that look like. I'm not trying to define all of this today. I just want to throw these categories out for us. But if we're looking to understand the establishment of stewardship, it is from the very dawn of creation. That everything that we have, everything that we see, what? Is not ours. And we'll get into some more of those details. I'm so tempted. I keep thinking, man, there's something that needs to be said about that. That'll, that'll be the sermon a couple down the road. So give me a page. If you're going, you didn't answer that question. And even if you go, hey, I want to make sure you answer that question, don't leave it to chance, so to speak. Say, hey, are you going to talk about, and I'll make a note of that. I want to make sure to cover that base. But I'm not going to cover all of them in this one message right here. But the establishment of stewardship began at creation. But also, we see a second area, and this gets a little bit more personal for us as believers. There's an establishment of stewardship at salvation. 
If you look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, one that we have used in this study thus far as well, uh, both of these verses are going to say, man, these sound familiar. Well, I hope they do. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So, how are we saved? By our wonderful and gracious choice of God doing Him such a favor as to agree with anything that He has said and done. The answer to that is no. How are we saved? How, are, how do we start the Christian life? His divine power has given us, what is it? Everything. Everything. Everything required for life and godliness. So not only the very life that we have, and we'll get into that question here in just a minute, at least introduce it. But the very salvation that we have, redemption, the being pulled away from our sin and given a righteousness that is not ours, is all of God. His divine power has given us. And so our salvation begins there. And then I promise I did not put Jamie up to this. It, as it seems on a not too rare occasion, on a frequent occasion, whether it was Austin or whether it is now Jamie, deciding what we're going to start as a scriptural focus for our worship service is one of the points within the message that I bring. Now, have there been times I'm going, I hope you do this? And yeah, I, we've done that before, very rarely. But we started in First Peter chapter 4 today. Because there's a beautiful word right there in verse 10, and that's the one I want to focus on. Because verse 10 reads, as we have talked about with the issue of spiritual gifts and our shaping for service, it says this, Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards. Good stewards. There's where I like the Southern Baptist Bible, according to Jim. <laughs> The CSB translation is definitely one that our publishing house has helped put together, but it does come rather as good stewards, and a lot of translations use that same word, as good stewards of the varied grace of God. So our salvation, all that is required is given to us by God. The very gifts that we have to live for his glory are what? Given to us by God. We are, and I'm going to use this word, although it sounds like you're just, we are simply stewards of the grace that God has given us. We did not originate it. We did not create it. We did not earn it. We did not merit it. It is not even our idea. It is all of God. And so we find the establishment of the relationship of stewardship and ownership was part of God's plan all along. And you would think that the creator would think of something like that. I mean, that makes sense to us when we stop to think. Now, the question is, if we stop to think and go, oh, yeah, do we therefore continue to live in light of that, oh, yeah? Or do we say, yeah, I know that, and then we just go on to do however we want to, thinking what? We own everything. It's all ours. 
This is where it, I know it grates against the nerves of an independent capitalistic society to talk about uh, a, a dismissing of ownership and our personal ownership, but we've got to get there biblically in the eternal perspective. Because if we keep in this other perspective, a secularist mindset, we will run contrary to Scripture and we will absolutely give ourselves headaches. That's why I think stewardship is so important. And it branches beyond the concept of handling our finances. It includes that. Don't hear me trying to run away from it. I don't want to talk about that because I don't want to talk about that. But we will because we must, because the Bible addresses that. It's in much the same way I think about talking about politics. It's like I'd rather not at times, but it is less than faithful for us to not think about how do we value and view all of life responsibly as believers. And we've got to do this here with these aspects of stewardship. So establishing the fact that God is the owner, we are the stewards, is important. Now, as much as I beat that drum, let's move to the next step. What is the extent of stewardship? Okay, that's great. So, what categories, what aspects of my life are impacted by the habit, by the understanding, by living as a steward? Well, I'm glad that we asked. I think there's three general categories. And you may hear me over the next week kind of rearrange some of these. Because as I keep thinking, there's, there's stuff, and, and you may do the same thing. I've been talking to Jamie this week about it. Times I'm going, and, and I hear this, and I read this person, and they focus on two categories. Then I come over here, and this person's got like five. Then I come back over here, and somebody's got three. And for any good sermon, three points is where it's at, so you stay there. So that's, we've got three. And you're going, but you left this or that out. And if you're going, hey, does this fit in any one of those? Let's have a conversation. I love talking about the truth of God and how we think about what it is and then how we live based on that understanding. So three categories. First one, treasure. This is the one we're, we're used to talking about. Treasure can involve, I think, things like things, stuff, status, and money, our finances. Where do we see an aspect? You know, I was looking this week because I'm going to ask us to look at Matthew chapter 6 when it comes to this idea of treasure. What do you think about when you hear Matthew chapter 6? Sermon on the Mount. Okay, let's start there. Hopefully everybody's going, well, I don't know. Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, and 7. Matthew, all those, that's Jesus, the most noted sermon. It's all right there for us. When we come to Matthew 6, what do we most, most often focus on? If you're looking at it now, typically we start in about verse 9. Therefore, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to ask us to look everywhere around that and find out in this aspect of Jesus' sermon, where is the focus in the context for the prayer it, it kind of overwhelmed me this way. It's one of those things you read past, you read past, you go, I know all of that's there. But you think of chapter 6 and it's all about prayer. It's really not all about prayer. I'm going to leave the first part of that off, but I want to jump down to verse 19 of Matthew 6. 
It says this, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For what? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that aspect of treasure is given a context. How are we to steward our treasure? It says a lot of things very clearly right here. The idea of the eternal versus the temporal and what should have greater importance. Continues on in verse 25. He says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? The verses that I skipped there tend to be the, the heart of the song that I started with, Jaira, because there's a section of that song. Hey, when you make a song 10 minutes long, you can put a lot of stuff in it. And that's typically what, what those ha- have. But it talks about even the lilies are clothed in beauty and splendor. What of the birds of the air? Not one of them falls to the ground. What but that the Father knows? Who's the owner? God. Lilies, the birds. And he says there in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What about you and me? The owner of us all. How should we respond? How should we think about even the needs of this life? Verse 33 of Matthew 6 is very familiar. It says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Provided for you. There's a provision in God's plan. He is the God who provides So one area that we need to make sure we understand our stewardship instead of ownership is our treasure. Secondly, then, our talents. And if you're wondering if they're alliterated at this point, they are. If we add a new category, I cannot guarantee you that it will stay a whole list of T's. But as for right now, it is. Talent. Talent could include these things. Ability, education, occupation. So talent of the abilities that I have, the learning that I have accomplished, the education, and then the occupation, the job that I do. This is why I've asked you to keep in mind 1 Corinthians, and as we turn there to chapter 6 of, of 1 Corinthians, this kind of sets a context for a lot of things, but I, I like the application within this context of our uh, talents and our abilities. You go, man, this sounds like what we just talked about. Well, yeah, the way we're shaped We're a steward of that. So that abilities category gets repeated. It's neat how all of this works together. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 beginning in verse 19. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, so glorify God With your body. Who's the owner of our body? God. We are stewards. We think about things. We think about our body. It reminds me of my uh, 
college uh, friend in my freshman year. Uh, met him there at OBU on the campus there in Shawnee, Oklahoma. We were talking about stewardship and different things, and he had a, a relatively new uh, S10 blazer, and it was dirty. And he said, well, you know, God owns everything I have, so I just keep praying, God, you need to send the rain so you can wash your car. You know, I feel like that sometimes when it comes to going to the gym. I say, God, you got to do something about this body of, <laughs> that I have here. You know, we need to get it worked out. It's like, so there's the understanding. that That's just a little foretaste of, so what is stewardship responsibility? If I don't own it, do I have to deal with keeping it up? And the answer is yes. So it's not a get-out-of-jail-free car. Oh, good. God's the owner. I'm just the steward. So whew, I'm not going to think about this or that. Oops, we might have to. We do have to in this way. We think about our, our, our talents, our abilities, uh, our, our occupation, our education. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It's another verse. Writing to these same group of believers in the church in Corinth that we read about in chapter 6 where we've opened in chapter 10, verse 31, says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, that pretty much covers what? Do everything for the glory of God. Do everything for the glory of God. So it can be the routine and it can be the specialized. It's another part of our routine, our, our work week, our work habits, our, our home habits, our, our health habits uh, on a physical, temporal level as well as our spiritual health. And in all of these things, we are stewards of our talents. Then finally, time. Time involves uh, time. <laughs> Duh, thank you. That was clarifying. The other thing that became very clarifying for me this week in this study, what is time? Now, don't get all philosophically geeky on me. I would. And so I'm trying to tell you not to. Time is how we discuss life. Isn't it? I'm going to go do this. I'm going with them. I'm going with the youth to camp. I'm going home. I'm going to work. I'm doing that. I have to have time to do this. What am I doing? I'm living my life. Just thinking about it in the aspect of schedule and timing for everything that I do. So we talk about time. Yes, it's that idea of administrating our schedule. When we think about administrating our schedule, let's not just put it on a piece of paper in a spreadsheet. Let's put it into real relational terms. What are we talking about? We're talking about life. I mean, I was so focused on this over this preparation for this part of the series that when somebody starts talking about uh, talents and, and, and treasure and, and then talks about time, I'm immediately geared towards the, okay, let's, you know, the, the, there's the problem, the challenge that we face. And we've got we've to talk about all of these kinds of things. And then I'm listening to Tony Evans. He says, do you realize that your life is not your own? You're just a steward. And I went, okay, that was one. Can we get so focused on the issues that immediately confront us that we don't think about the totality of the application of God's word? And the answer is yes, all of us do. All of us can. We often do. 
So when we're talking about time, what, are, what, are the, what does this aspect look like beyond just the, those kind of categories? Biblically speaking, it sounds like this. In Ephesians chapter 5, we have verses 15 and 16 that say, Pay careful attention then to how you walk, that is your life, not as unwise people, but as wise, what? Making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So there's that aspect of, yeah, how do we optimize our time? How do we prioritize our time? How should we? If we're created for relationships, how does that prioritize and how much time should we invest? Then there's also Psalm 90 and verse 12. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Have you ever prayed that? I'll be honest, I can't remember the last time I'd hit until I saw this and went, oh, it's a good reminder. Lord, teach us to number our days. What are our days? Our life. Teach us to number our days so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Don't we call somebody who is completely squandering of time and in unfocused, unwise? Don't we look at that as somewhat reckless? I think we do. So the focus on the responsibility of a stewardship of our life is to reach out to the owner who created us and say, teach us to understand the importance of our life. How should we live each and every day that when others see us, and when we interact with others, we are being wise in how we live. And so these are those categories, these aspects of our life, that the establishment of our stewardship began in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, when God said, let us make man in our image. It continues at the point at which he called us to be his very own people when we responded in faith and trust, repenting of our sin and following Jesus as our Savior and Lord, and we recognize that we have been bought with a price, that our body is not our own. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit, understanding those things. Our owner is the king. We are stewards of everything we've mentioned so far. We don't own one bit of any of it. But as we've talked about stewardship, we've left out an E. Talked about the establishment. We talked about the extent. How about this? If there is the king, and we are the stewards of the king and all that he has entrusted to us, wouldn't it be nice to know, or isn't one of our next most logical questions to say, what are your expectations, Lord? What do you expect of me as a steward? And if that wasn't, I hope it is now, because that's where we're going to be going as I continue on as we look at stewardship. What, is God, what does it look like to be a faithful steward? Now, there's some really direct 
scriptures that apply to the overall picture of a faithful steward. We'll use that as a background context. Where is it found? Hey, homework, look it up. Then let's take these areas of our treasure, our talents, and our time. Find out what God expects of us as faithful stewards of everything with which he has blessed us. I look forward to this journey. I look forward to talking about our finances, not to be rich and know how to succeed, never have another issue with debt whatsoever. All of those things can be useful in a right perspective, but it is not the reason we study this. Why do we study stewardship? Not as a scramble, but as a sacred trust that we grow in holiness and godliness, just like every other habit God has set forth for us in his word. www.claybap.org